Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the Foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, Bay Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Miss Parker Angel, here in another edition of F in Sports, and it is another midterm episode brought to you by my bookie. To get a look at some college basketball stuff today, we got my good buddy. Andy Patton coming on to talk all about the Zags and how they are the title favorites on my bookie at plus 470 right now. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right, we're joined here today by Andy Patton of the, I almost said score, Zag score, of the Locked on Zags podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Still all can Zag all the time. Yeah, that's right. How you doing, Andy? I'm good. I'm good, Parker. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Today, we're brought by my bookie. Uh, my bookie wants to remind you that championships continue around the corner with my bookie. Head to my bookie today to win this March Madness player. Place your bets on whomever you think will take home the crown. Be sure to co- use code FN Sports to double your deposit up to a thousand US dollars. Number one ranked Gonzaga are a great pick currently. Be sure to put whatever cash you have down on them. My bookie takes all types of well known cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, puts them down on the running tags at plus 470. Double your deposit, use code FN Sports on my bookie today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie so 
I don't know what point in your life you got to be a Gonzaga fan, Andy. I know you went there, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Would you have ever thought that in late February they were going to be the number one favorite for the install? <laughs> like that yeah. like <laughs> crazy. No, it's it's wild, man. It, I mean, I, I my senior year at Gonzaga was the first year they were ever ranked number one overall. Uh, it was in 2013 when that happened, and that was a year where like they, <laughs> no team wanted to be number one. It was similar to what happened earlier in this year where everybody was just losing constantly, uh, and so now you know. This team obviously is in a much different spot, and last year's team obviously kind of ran the table as the number one team undefeated for the entire season until the championship game. It's been wild to see uh, the progression of this program to now a team that is expected to be in the top five at the start of every season and is more or less not necessarily expected to be ranked number one, but very often gets to that point um, because they just don't lose a lot of basketball games. And so, yeah, I, I don't know that I would have told you even in 2013 when they were the number one ranked team for the first time that I thought that we'd be looking at a team, you know, making two national championship games in a four year span and, and looking like a, a, a very likely candidate to do it for the third time in five years this year, uh, assuming things go well in March. Third time in five years, and frankly, I have a really good argument to like they might have made it had the 2020 tournament happened. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I gotta ask as as the fan and the alum, like mm-hmm. you mentioned 2013, mm-hmm. like what's been different for basically a decade now? I mean, they're they're in the likes of the Kansases and the Kentuckys and those yeah. the Blue Bloods, mm-hmm. and they weren't before like for many many years before that. Well, I, I'm glad you bring that up because I think a lot of people who you know, who interact with Gonzaga or talk about their fans and their place amongst like the, the college basketball greats. They, they view this team as a team that has been really good for 22 years, but hasn't won a national championship. And they, they kind of view it as like this team always disappoints in March and they're always losing and they've, you know, losing the second round a bunch. And like, there's a very clear difference. And Ken Pomeroy, who doesn't just have a site of stats, he actually is a writer as well. And he wrote a really good piece for a, I believe, a newspaper in Salt, in Salt Lake City, talking about how people need to differentiate the Gonzagas. There was Gonzaga from like, tw- I think he said up to 2015 or 2014, something like that. And then the Gonzaga that has existed since then. And like the Gonzaga since then, you know, since 2016, when they went to the national championship for the first time, like that's the program that has been perennially elite. So that's the program that like 90% of the time that Gonzaga has been ranked number one in the school's history happened in the past five years. Like this is not a program that has been a blue blood, a legitimate championship contender for 20 years. If that was the case, then they would be a very big disappointment for having not won one, but they have in fact only really been at this level for half a decade or so. And the, the success they've had in that half decade, making two national championship games, making another run to the elite eight, never not making it to the sweet 16 in the last seven seasons. Like that is the kind of program that they have been lately. And it, like you said, it's not what they were before. And, and a big difference for that is not just recruiting really well internationally, which they have done for a very long time. You look back on your, your Roni Turioffs and Kelly Olenek and Kevin Pangos and, and some even DeMontis Sabonis, who was kind of right before that timeline. They always recruited really well internationally. Tommy Lloyd, who's now the head coach at Arizona, had a big part to do with that. But then they started getting a lot better with the domestic recruits. You saw your Zach Collins was the first five-star in Gonzaga's history. That surprises people. That was 2016, first five-star in school history. They had not had one until you, Zach Collins. You mean Rockets legend Kelly Olenek was not a five-star? Not a five-star <laughs> recruit. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and then, you know, obviously Jalen Suggs after that, Chet Holmgren now, you know, they're, they're looking at Anthony Black for next year and some of the 2023 guys they're identifying are, are five-star recruits. So the recruiting ticked up in a way that it took a lot 
it took a long time for that to happen, but now you're starting to see them really bring in these kids and, and obviously have demonstrated conclusively that they can turn players into legitimate NBA talents. There's, I think, 11 players in the NBA this year from Gonzaga. Many of them were not high-level recruits, including Kelly Olenek, including you know guys like Killian Tilly, Joel Iyayi, who are not even top 200 recruits uh, internationally, which is a little harder to, to pin down ranking-wise, but still obviously tremendously successful at turning those kids into into pros so that has helped them continue to recruit well internationally also recruit well domestically then you start to see a team with multiple five-star recruits on it like they have right now Uh, and then at that point the expectations should be pretty darn high and they are (laughs) completely i think it's also you know we mentioned like the last you keep going to a half decade i guess i'm going all the way back to 13 but Mm -hmm. I, i did pull it up the the AP high on sports reference mm-hmm. page, as you go back, mm-hmm. it's AP high has been one for however many mm-hmm. years in a row now. And then 2013, uh, mm-hmm. 13, 14 was also a one, mm-hmm. but then it really, the, the years before that, like there's a four for what I'm assuming must've been Morrison senior yeah, four about five or six years ahead of that, but that's as high as it gets. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, it, it has been this like quick ascendance since then. Yeah, You mentioned, <laughs> You mentioned the five-star recruits coming in fairly recently. Do you, I, I think of Suggs being a little bit different and how like mm-hmm. that transformed as a one and done kind of guy mm-hmm. and, and how that really, you know, puts them in the Dukes, puts them in the mm-hmm. Carolinas, puts them in the Kentuckys. A- am I wrong in thinking that Suggs, would you go before Suggs in that? No, I think it is Suggs. And it's interesting because I, I mentioned Collins already, obviously first five, not only was he the first five-star recruit, but he's also the first one and done. But he was a very different scenario. A, he was a five-star recruit, but he did not get the five-star label until like right before his high school career ended. He was basically a four-star when he committed to Gonzaga, then had a really nice senior year bumped up. Still counts, but it's a little bit different than Suggs, who's, you know, was labeled that since he was like a sophomore. And then obviously, while Collins was a one and done, it was Un, kind of unexpected that he'd be a one and done. He was a backup center on Gonzaga's roster. Uh, he, he didn't start. Shemek Karnowski was the starter at the center position for that team. So yes, he was a one and done, but he was not a program changing player the way that Suggs was. Suggs came in, you know, he committed to Gonzaga by like at a high school game on ESPN. That's something that had not happened <laughs> in Gonzaga's history. You know, he he pulled fair. off his... Hmm? Gonzaga didn't have a whole lot of games on ESPN. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fact that they had a high school, one of their high school guys on ESPN was was very unusual. He came in with the expectation immediately he was going to be a one and done. There was never any, is he going to come back? Is he, that was never part of the conversation for him. The only other player in Gonzaga history that that has been the case is Chet Holmgren this year. The only two guys who were ever conclusively without a shadow of a doubt, one and done players. And that's going to continue to happen. There's two other five-star players on this team right now in Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. Both of them, it's very, very up in the air. I, I suspect both of them are coming back, but it's it's very not uh, evident that they're going to, to do that. And that's kind of something that Gonzaga has the ability to not only get five-star recruits who are clearly obviously one and done players, but they can also get players who might stick around for a couple of years who play at that level out of high school too, which when you can kind of build a roster of, you know, that level of talented players, you got two five-star guards coming off the bench. Uh, that that's a pretty unique situation that, that, that really does cement them as like a, a legit blue blood. Not a lot of programs in college basketball have that level of talent eight deep on their roster. And that's kind of where this team is at right now. Well, and, Maybe it's because I'm also based out of Texas and I've gotten to see mm-hmm. Anthony Black kid a lot. I, I would mm-hmm. imagine Anthony Black would also be, if they land him, would be the same mm-hmm. kind of recruit. Yes. 
most likely as a six seven guard that distributes the ball handles the mm-hmm. offense etc that there just aren't many of those around right. i will say though it's interesting once you get in the one and done game and they mm-hmm. see it go well like suggs is playing well in the nba right now yep. the yep. magic aren't great but like he's playing fine right mm-hmm. like that only keeps the wheel going yep. as a gonzaga guy for the duration of this run is that weird is that good weird bad weird like what do you think about that it's 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 different certainly i think um the the fans struggled a little bit at first with with having Suggs on like they didn't struggle with him personally because he's fantastic and a you know a great steward of the program and everything but there was people who were a little worried like are we going to get into this too much and I think what Coach Few is really good at and what the staff seems to be really good at is they're very good at kind of IDing when players are going to reach their peak and like kind of timing it well like they I this staff seemed to know that a guy like Joe Eliyai was a couple year project and then he's going to pop and be like this really good player for them in a few years and he was Rui Hachimura didn't play like at all his freshman season played a tiny bit as a sophomore as like a you know super reckless end of the bench guy and then as a junior he exploded and was a you know ninth overall pick in the draft and and so I think that they're very good at IDing which kind of guys are going to do that and that's why I think you know you can have two five-star guards on your bench and yeah maybe there's some frustration that they're not playing as much as they thought that they would Hunter Salas played eight minutes against Santa Clara on Saturday I have to imagine that that was not what he expected Uh, and and a lot of fans were asking me questions of like why isn't he playing as much and I get that and that's that's a challenge and there's there's a whole discourse on Twitter about him and like he could have gone to Creighton Creighton wanted him really badly he's from Nebraska and they're like he'd be playing 35 minutes a night at Creighton it's like yeah there's no debate about that but that may not necessarily necessarily be the best thing for him because on this roster next year assuming he comes back he's going to be really 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 good and and I think the staff is good at finding guys who are willing to buy into that nobody shoots 100% sometimes they miss and they get a guy who doesn't fit the program and leaves and and that's fine it's that's the nature of college sports but Gonzaga is, is pretty dang good at this they're pretty good at finding guys that that buy into the pro even Suggs and Holmgren yes they're one and dones but they're not, I don't want to say typical one and dones, but they, they don't have the same, you know, you've, we've seen a lot of one and dones who are more me focused and are, were willing or went to programs where they could be the guy and do all of the scoring, do everything. And those teams, you know, don't make the NCAA tournament. We talk about Ben Simmons, we talk about Markel Fultz at UW, like there, there are situations where that happens and Gonzaga is not recruiting guys like that. Chet, you watched the Gonzaga, Texas game, one of the first games of the year, Chet had two points and five rebounds in that game. And everybody said, what happened to Chet? What happened to Chet is that Drew Timmy had 37. Like, that's, what, that's what happened. They did not need him. Yeah. And a lot of first, you know, number one recruit in the country, second game of the season, first big game ever that they've played in college. They may not settle for a role where they score two points and grab five rebounds. Chet did. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to pay off for this team in March. Well, and to be fair, every mock draft has Chet in the top three at yeah. lowest, right? Yeah. It's not like it's impacting him too much there. Mm-hmm. I, I also look at the roster and like, is Hunter Salas playing just under 15 minutes a game and could he be playing mm-hmm. 35 minutes a game somewhere else? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could also be a two and done guy at Gonzaga and walk away with real shots at two rings. Yeah. And like that, yeah. that's also valuable to people. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. Jalen Suggs folklore, like going number mm-hmm. four overall. Mm-hmm was impacted by hitting a big shot in the final four, right? Yeah, like absolutely. he probably still would have been a top five pick, mm-hmm. but it certainly was a no questions asked thing once it's yeah. like, oh, he also has this like it factor yep. in a big moment. And, and I think that that is valuable to find mm-hmm. someone that can win and play on a winner. Not to say Creighton wouldn't have won if they had Hunter Salas on the team, but it's right, not quite right. the same program. They're kind of more yep. where 
Gonzaga was in the first half of that 22 years, right? They're good yep. mid-major. You're not surprised they win games, but like, I don't mm-hmm. expect them to win a title. Right. On looking at the title this year, mm-hmm. Gonzaga is the favorite on my bookie at plus 470. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you lost a coach to Arizona. They're third on this list at plus 930. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that could be an interesting final yeah. four type matchup. You know, you would know each other pretty well, I would imagine. Chet Holmgren is a top three pick. Two other mm-hmm. top three picks. Auburn's at plus 1175. Purdue's mm-hmm. at plus 1050. As you look at this, do you think Gonzaga's got as good a chance as anyone? Should they should they be the favorite by so? I mean, they're almost double the number two team right now on this on this book. Are they really that much better than anybody else? I'm surprised they have that much better odds than everybody else. I'm not surprised they are at first. Obviously, they're the number one ranked team in the country right now. That was unanimous last week in the AP poll. You would typically expect that the number one ranked team in mid February would be the title favorite. So I expect that. I I'm a little surprised at how much they are the favorite, but I also think I think they should be the favorite and I think you know you look at this team and you look at last year's team and I think a lot of people who who haven't been following super closely this year who are just now starting to to look at the betting lines or just now starting to look at you know what the bracket might shake out like they're going to look and be like well last year's team had Jalen Suggs they had Corey Kispert they had Joel Eiai like their three starting backcourt guys are all in the NBA now there's no way they're going to be as good and that's not True. Their, their roster this year is different in a, in a very considerable way. Obviously, Andrew Nempard has stepped into a, a significant role as the leader, the pick and roll expert. He's his, his outside shot has improved as the season has gone on. He's one of the three best point guards in college basketball. I think that's borderline indisputable. Not one of the three best draft prospects, but in terms of his actual current basketball ability, he's extraordinary. Rasir Bolton grad transfer from Iowa State has been extraordinary, shooting 45% from three a significant part of this offense. And then the biggest thing, hands down, the biggest, most notable thing is, of course, Chet Holmgren. Gonzaga's biggest weakness on last year's roster was depth, front court depth and rim protection. And what cost them a lot against Baylor was, was the physicality of Baylor's guards really hampered Gonzaga's guards. And that that was kind of the most notable takeaway. But Gonzaga also had no rim protection. The, these guards from Baylor, who were extremely good, all NBA players, they got to the rim with ease. Drew Timmy was not a shot blocker. Anton Watson was is not a shot blocker. That's not the role. Corey Kispert was their four last year. He's not a shot blocker. And, and then, you know, they were exposed in the pick and roll. Drew Timmy not great at moving laterally. But on this year's roster, Chet Holmgren, not only can he is he an elite, elite rim protector, uh, his shot block numbers are through the roof. His block percentage numbers are through the roof. And his ability to impact shots, even if he's not directly blocking them, is staggering. It kind of needs to be watched to fully understand how great he is at that. But he is incredible. But he also moves well uh, on the perimeter. He's better lateral defensive player out there. It's harder to expose him in that regard. And if, you know, if Drew Timmy is getting exposed in pick and roll situations and Chet's still on the floor those are not going to turn into automatic easy buckets. <laughs> he's still, he's going to erase a handful of those. Uh, and then Chet's emergence as an offensive player, especially in conference play has been incredible. He was a, a good transition three-point shooter in the non-conference, but I think he shot like 17% in half court threes in the first half of the season. And, and there was some concern of like, is he going to be at a legitimate spot up pick and pop type shooter? 
and he has been incredible since WCC play started. He's shooting over 50% from three, I believe, or around there. He's been just an absolute machine as an offensive player. He gets to the rim with ease. He finishes 70% of his shots around the rim because of his frame, his wingspan. He's just, he's got a lot of touch. We've seen some of those Dirk Nowitzki type fadeaways, which was a specialty of his in high school. And having a player like that, who fills so many of the the holes that were on Gonzaga's roster last year makes it hard not to think, Hey, like <laughs> they fixed some of the problems on last year's roster and now they're just as good and, and they're peaking at the right time. You know, again, it's not surprising that they're the title favorite. Well, and, and you know, you mentioned filling holes from last year and, and intentionally picking their spots to get better at it. We talked in pre-production about, how, mm-hmm. you know, Drew Timmy's not really a modern big and he may mm-hmm. be a four-year college guy. He's a great mm-hmm. college basketball player, iconic in so many college basketball kinds of ways. You, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mean to give game away. You kind of liken the Leitner almost. He's an, yeah. easy to mm-hmm. hate, he's an easy to love kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Depends what side of the ball you're on. Mm-hmm. Holmgren is the opposite of all of that. Holmgren mm-hmm. is completely the modern prototype for a big. Yep. He's a rim protecting guy that you mm-hmm. mentioned. He shoots the three well. I think I've got him at, at 46 percent but yeah obviously that's like as good as anyone in the nba it's a step in i guess but whatever and he's Mm -hmm. also a bajillion feet tall he's also crazy long he also because he's so tall passed the ball well across the defense in the short Mm -hmm. roll it's interesting to have that dynamic back and forth there and then they have because they're not playing guys like salas they've got Mm -hmm. veteran guards as well right which always helps in march you mentioned baylor last year one game sample, so that may not have been a blowout if you played seven game series, right? Yeah. Not that I anticipate them getting blown out in any March Madness mm-hmm. game this year, but part of the reason these odds are favorable now mm-hmm. are, you know, because we don't know the bracket, right? We don't right. know the path. Is there a team you see out there in watching college basketball? Like, man, I don't want to see them to the last <laughs> game if possible. There are a couple. Um, I, I did a segment on, on my podcast, uh, two two episodes where I kind of talked on the five or six teams that I think really present legitimate challenges for Gonzaga and they're not necessarily the best teams. Like I think Purdue's a really good basketball team. I think Gonzaga handles Purdue fairly well uh, because Purdue struggles defensively because they don't play their bigs at the same time. They have two really good bigs and everybody says, Oh, they have two bigs. Gonzaga has two bigs. It's like, yeah, but Drew Timmy and Chad Holmgren play 30 minutes together a lot of the time and and their bigs don't do that. And so I think that presents a unique matchup. Uh, You mentioned one of them, Arizona. Tommy Lloyd, obviously super familiar with Mark Few. He basically took Mark Few's offense and said, what if I just do this with all of Sean Miller's old recruits at Arizona? And without having to do anything else, that team catapulted to being the second or third best team in the country. Like that is incredible that he was already able to do that. (laughs) And I don't mean to sound like a a nobody done watching this. I I Mm -hmm. admittedly live in Texas and we're going to play a lot of West Coast time games. I, I haven't watched them much. What What mm-hmm. is going on there? Is it really just Gonzaga 2.0 with Power 5 recruits? Like, what's happening? A bit. Uh, it's it's uh, They're running a lot. They're running more. Like, they're getting out in transition a ton. I think they're third in the NCAA in tempo. I think Gonzaga's second, and there's a smaller team that's first. And so that was not Sean Miller's kind of MO at, at Arizona. And so they're, they're getting out in transition more. Their roster was, was really stacked to begin with. Ben Mathurin is an incredible six foot seven guard. We talked about how rare those guys are. Tubelis, uh, a Lithuanian big man, six foot 11 guy who can handle the basketball as well. So Tommy Lloyd basically just said, we're, we get the rebound. We're going, everybody on this team can handle the ball. Everybody can move. So we're just going to run, 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 
run. He turned Kirk Creasa, who was a really inconsistent point guard, into a very, very good, but still sometimes inconsistent point guard. Um, it, it's been fun to watch kind of that development. Uh, and then they have a, a, a great rim-protecting big man in Christian Coloco, averages three-ish blocks per game. Uh, one of the best, I mean, legitimately alongside, you know, Walker Kessler from Auburn and Chet, of course, he's one of the best rim protectors in the country. And yeah, it, Tommy's obviously a very good coach. It'll be interesting to see what he does when he starts getting his own recruits as well. But the fact that he turned around a, a team of, you know, good players who disappointed uh, in the last year under Miller uh, to turn them around into this has been really remarkable. And they're going, they would give Gonzaga hell. It would be a it would be a barn burner uh, if those two teams played it. And I, I anybody who confidently tells you which team they think which team would win is lying to you because it would be it would be a toss up. They could play a hundred times and I think they'd win fifty times each. <laughs> well, and coaching matchup aside, there because that that is half the fun there. I think yeah. it's interesting to think about like the future of that Arizona team. You know, mm-hmm. it, because they pull in a Gonzaga system style coach. When mm-hmm. Arizona has been their best, it's because they're pulling in Southern California kids. I mean, LA yeah. is a gold mine, right? Yeah. And like, if you can do Southern California, LA talents mm-hmm. times the like coaching mm-hmm. tragedy that made Gonzaga good before they yeah. got these five star guys, yeah, you could be re- building a real, real power there. You mentioned mm-hmm. Bard Burner. I, I double checked the stats. I was clicking around just now. Those mm-hmm. are the two fastest playing teams in terms yep. of possessions per game in college basketball. Yep. Like it would be fast, fast. It'd be yeah. a lot of fun, frankly, as a yeah. guy watching the game with yeah. no interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it'd be stressful as heck for all Gonzaga fans, but it would be so fun to watch. Just a great basketball game in general. You're not you're not too worried about Purdue, you said. Are you at all worried about Kentucky? I, I feel like Kentucky is in this thing you're in your outs. Yeah, uh, I, I had to coach against their point guard, Severe Wheeler, once upon a time, and he's, yeah. he's lightning fast. He's not mm-hmm. very big. I, I would think mm-hmm. you could handle him from a size perspective, but he gets out on the break really quickly. And then I maybe it's because I'm a Southerner. I'm always scared of Kentucky basketball. Like, like I, I just always will be, always have been. So are you not as worried about them, or, or is it just not the same as Arizona? Uh, Kentucky was on my list for sure. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a really talented team, obviously. Uh, you know, a well-coached team, depending on how you feel about Calipari, but still obviously very, very well-coached, very successful team. Uh, I think they, yeah, they're, they're, they're not as big, but I mean, to be fair, I don't, there are very few teams that are as big as Gonzaga. So it's kind of like using that as an argument is a little bit unfair because Gonzaga starts two guys who are seven feet tall and bring Anton Watson, who's 6'10 off the bench. Uh, obviously, you know, as as Ty Ty Washington goes, they go. He's he's a big part of what they do. He's had some injuries. We've seen how how significantly that impacts them when he's not playing. He would be a problem for the Zags just because of his speed uh, and his just his floor vision is incredible. You mentioned Wheeler; he's obviously fantastic as well. I this is a team that could give them some trouble. Uh, I'm looking at their lineup right now, and the, of their rotation, they really don't play very anybody over six nine. So that's that's what it's going to come down to is how do they defend the paint? Do they double Drew right away? And if if they do, does Gonzaga's shooter step up? Because if Gonzaga comes into that game and Drew can kick the ball out and they can shoot 35, 38% from three in that game, I don't I'm not sure what Kentucky is going to do because I don't think they can guard Drew Timmy one on one. Uh, they yeah. just they don't have a lot of uh, they don't have people on the roster who are going to be able to do that. Uh, Kentucky can get out and run with about everybody. Obviously, we haven't even mentioned Shubway, who's incredible player of the year candidate, uh, and he's big and he's beefy and he's going to be the guy who who defends Drew Timmy. But he's just given up so much size that I think that 
I'm not saying Gonzaga wins every single time that these two teams play. I'm far from predicting that necessarily, but I think Gonzaga has enough of an advantage here that I, I would favor them to win. But if they don't have, if they have an off shooting night uh, or Drew's not quite himself, then yeah, that one could definitely go either way. And, you know, I look, you mentioned, he mentioned the double bigs, how unique that is for Gonzaga because they have two bigs, but they don't have to both play at the low block. And that really mm-hmm. is a special thing to have at one time. Auburn has two big guys too. <laughs> like I don't, uh, I don't, yep, I don't know yep. much about this. Uh, there's a big thing in, you know, in my world in Rockets Twitter about, do you want Jabari? Do you want Chet? Do you want Paolo? Jabari versus Chet would be a ton of fun for me, mm-hmm. frankly. Kessler is also a, a giant, right? Like, yeah. like, like seven one and, and him and Timmy, I don't think he need from a size perspective. I don't think he would need anyone pulled in to help him. He, he's a sophomore, but I guess he was also a top 25 recruit or whatever, a couple years back. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Does Auburn give you fits? Or are you feeling okay about that? Because what else you've got going on? Yeah, Auburn was the first team I talked about when I was talking about teams that are a bit concerning. Uh, I want to shout out real quick that Walker Kessler seriously considered coming to Gonzaga this year, which would have been <laughs> absolutely hilarious <laughs> if this team had Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, and Walker Kessler as their front court. I'm 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 not glad that he didn't because I think he's you know one of the players who could give Gonzaga fits. But I'm certainly happy that he's having a remarkable season uh, with Kentucky, one of the best shot blockers I've ever seen in my life. He's absolutely incredible, but yeah, Auburn presents interesting challenges because Walker and Chet kind of mitigate each other in, in an extent, you know, to, to an extent, obviously Chet has a little bit more ability away from the rim, uh, which could potentially create some problems. But I think for the Zags, if, if Chet's playing away from the rim, they'll just put Jabari Smith on him and they'll leave Walker down low to handle Drew. And they're one of the only teams that can do that. Now, Auburn's weakness is their guard play is wildly inconsistent. Uh, when Katie Johnson and Wendell Green are playing well, they are really tough to beat. But they're just not playing well consistently enough for this. I mean, we've seen them lose to some not good SEC teams. We've seen them struggle with some even worse SEC teams. You know, they struggle with Georgia. Like, they, they're when their guards aren't playing well, they, they really struggle. And, and that's – I mean, I watched uh, – I watched them recently for a full 40 minutes. I can't remember exactly who they were playing, but they didn't look particularly good. It was not one of their better games. And it's like, you watch that and you're like, well, Gonzaga would beat this team by 15, but I've also seen you know, what they did to Alabama, a team that Gonzaga lost to on their worst game of the year. And I've seen them against plenty of other good teams as well. And they, you know, when, when Jabari Smith is hitting shots, uh, when Walker Kessler is dominating down low and when Katie Johnson and Wendell Green are playing well, uh, or Zepp Jasper, who was out for a couple of games, but he's a key part for this team as well. They're, they're really, really good. Definitely. And then obviously, you know, I'm going to wrap up the comparison aspect here, but I'll talk about a couple of big 12 teams, Baylor and Kansas mm-hmm. have been kind of running the conference mm-hmm. a little bit. I think of Kansas as a traditionally school that has a lot of big guys. I obviously don't have the mm-hmm. Chet. And they don't have Timmy, and, and that, right. that's a little bit different. But I do think of them as simply a big guy school. And, and so I guess maybe I'm favoring them a little bit more just on name recognition there. Baylor is it at this program at this point, as weird to say as it is, that they just reload, it looks like. Like they're yeah. again a top whatever team. You know, you do a whole other podcast like the Baylor Rise the last 10 years. But are, are you scared at all about the Big 12? Uh, it feels like there's like an attrition thing happening in the Big 12 where like tech is beating up and then they fall off and then stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. Any Big 12 team give me a fits? Uh, well, I mean, you mentioned tech. Obviously, Gonzaga played them earlier in the year and beat them, but they're they're a really good team. Like they're a team that they're well coached as well. And I think a team that could, could certainly present some problems for the Zags. Uh, Kansas is the team that I'm most worried about. 
in the Big 12. Uh, and maybe I should be wor- more worried about Baylor. I, they, they don't have a ton of size, which is, again, a, kind of what I always go to. But, you know, last year's roster didn't have a ton of size either. Uh, and they beat the tar out of the Zags in the national championship game. Of course, that was, you know, a non-Chet Holmgren team. And, and, and another factor for the Zags that, that we haven't talked about a ton here. But Anton Watson was on the roster last year and is on the roster this year. But he's a completely different player than he, who he was last year. Last year, he was really tentative offensively. This year, he's hunting his own shots. He's shooting over 60% from the field. He's a much bigger piece of the puzzle offensively than he was in the past. So the Zags added kind of one and a half bigs to their rotation with Chet Holmgren and with an improved Anton Watson. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Baylor's obviously, they're really balanced scoring. They got like three guys over 13 points per game, five guys around 10 points per game. Kendall Brown, you know, six, eight freshman guards are are going to be a problem 100% of the time. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's an incredibly talented player. Um, I, I think Baylor's Scott Drew, obviously a good coach. That, that always scares me a little bit too. But I lean Kansas because they have, uh, again, they have so much depth, so much talent top to bottom on this roster. Agbaji, obviously so, so good. Another player of the year candidate for them. He's a matchup nightmare for the Zags. He's six, five. So you can't really put like Hunter Salas is their best defensive player, but he was undersized to guard him and doesn't start or play significant minutes. Julian Strother, six, seven, he might be the option there, but I think Agbaji is just a lot more athletic than him and would still kind of push him around a little bit. Uh, you try like you try one of the bigs. I don't know that that's going to work either. So yeah. I feel like if they play Kansas, that Agbaji is just going to go completely ham. Uh, but again, they do have size. Obviously, David McCorback's a really, really big dude, but they don't have a ton of size outside of that. Like somebody who's six foot eight or shorter is going to spend the majority of the game guarding either Drew or Chet. And again, you know, height is not everything. And certainly there are six, eight dudes who can push around, you know, taller guys. But I think that Gonzaga would have a bit of an advantage in the paint against them. But with Agbaji and even with, you know, Jalen Wilson's really talented young man as well. Remy Martin uh, obviously has been around for a while, super talented guy. So so they would they would give Gonzaga some problems. I, Kansas is the kind of team that I think it's it's probably about 50-50. If they were to play a seven-game series, I think you're looking at I – mean, you're probably looking at seven, minimum six, I think. <laughs> I I see Agbaji, you know, he you said athletic. I think of him as a big, strong kid. Like, I yeah, think he's playing yeah. some guys around. He's mm-hmm. he, I think they listen at 210 is what I'm seeing here, mm-hmm. which makes sense after watching him play a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's like you're saying, though, I think of Kansas having all this height all the time. Mm-hmm. But they've got two six tens, and and that's really it. I, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how they cover all all the size and length. I keep thinking back as well mm-hmm. that Gonzaga offers. Obviously, the fan in you would do it, but the analyst in you, the person that watches college basketball, are you putting a hundred down on Gonzaga plus four seventy, <laughs> or what? What are you feeling about that? Yeah, you know, I think I, I would like to see the bracket. You know, I'd like to see if if they're going to get, you know, a, a really, really tough draw where they run into a couple of, of barn burners. You know, we're looking at a team that, you know, they only have two losses on the year. They lost to Duke by three, which a three-point game is basically random variance. <laughs> Gonzaga could have won that game. Uh, you know, you can look at a lot of things Gonzaga did poorly in that game and think, well, they should have won by a lot more. You can also look at the fact that Bancaro barely played in the second half and think, oh, Duke could have won by more. The Alabama game was just an absolute nightmare for the Zags. Uh, that was my dad's 60th birthday. His trip to fly him all the way out to watch them get pounded by the Crimson Tide was not particularly fun. But 
that's going to be the blueprint of teams that are going to try to be really physical with the Zags uh, as soon as they cross half court, try to bother the guards, uh, which what Baylor did in the national championship game. It's what Alabama did. It's what Duke did. Uh, you know, you look at the, the Gonzaga's three losses over the last two years, they all had a similar recipe. So I think there's a, there's a recipe out there to beat the Zags and teams are going to figure out how to do it. Uh, but Gonzaga has responded really well to that in the past and they're really well coached. Yeah, I would probably put $100 on the Zags to win it all. I don't think those odds, I'm surprised at how much better they are than other teams. Um, but I, I do think that this is the best team in college basketball and having a, a player as dynamic as Chet in the front court and the way that Andrew Nempart has played recently in the, in the back court. You know, you, you said it, dynamic playmakers and experienced guards are really the best things to have going into March. And the Zags have all of that. They have an eight man rotation that really kind of encapsulates everything that you want uh, out of, you know, out of, out of a group of guys to go into this tournament and, and win it all. Well, and outside of putting like a hundred dollars on the Abilene Christian Wildcats at plus one five thousand, <laughs> I, I don't, I like, as far as actually getting money back on it, mm-hmm. I, I think that until I see a bracket and like there's three other mm-hmm. top, whatever teams in Gonzaga's, fourth or mm-hmm. whatever like i i don't know how i'd pick against them yeah. because i'm kind of in the same vein as you it was a coin flip with duke mm-hmm. and i i think in college basketball you're dealing with kids between the ages of 18 and 22 mm-hmm. a game like alabama happens right like yeah. Oh, yeah. could that also happen in march sure but like mm-hmm. i'm not worried about it from earlier this year people get worried about gonzaga because they play the wcc schedule mm-hmm. and then have to go play march madness and play very tough competition very fast Mm-hmm. I've heard your podcast. I've heard you talk about this is not the same WCC that it might have been in years where that's a concern. Mm-hmm. Is that going to help them explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So well, it was, it's funny. It was a conversation on Twitter I saw recently that that really made me happy that this conversation about Gonzaga versus Arizona and how there's a realistic chance that Arizona could jump Gonzaga for the number one seed in the West between this was like posted a few days ago, like between now and and March. And the reasoning was, well, Gonzaga is probably not going to lose. But if Arizona doesn't lose, they play a lot better schedule. And (laughs) Gonzaga's final two games of the regular season this Thursday and this Saturday are against San Francisco and St. Mary's and San Francisco per Ken Palm is, I believe, like 33rd uh, and St. Mary's is like 25th. And it was like, those are two quad one games, like indisputably <laughs> quad one games. Arizona's final two games of the season, I do not remember who they are playing, but they are not, neither of them are quad one games. So it's just like, and this was a college basketball analyst. I'm obviously not going to call them out because it's disrespectful, but like the the narrative that Gonzaga plays a bad schedule, it's it's obviously it's, it's inferior to, you know, every other power five conference's schedule. There's no debating that. There's no arguing with that necessarily, but it's just so ingrained in people to assume that every game Gonzaga plays in the WCC is bad. Every team they play is bad. And that is not true. Some of the teams that they play are bad. Pepperdine, they just played them recently. Bad, not a good basketball team. It ha- and that's, and that's, and it's a reality, obviously SEC teams, and, you know, there's a few conferences that barely play bad games, but like Auburn plays some bad teams. They played Missouri and Georgia. They're bad teams. Pepperdine is, is you know, is worse, but they're still, it's at that, that point, it's semantics. Like those teams are all not good. But this argument that like, oh, well, you know, Arizona is going to, they, they must play better teams the last week of the season than Gonzaga. Like, no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> like they're, well, they're, they're and, not and playing and worse also teams. By happenstance, like there would be years that that would be the case because right. like, it just, this year, it's just not like <laughs> it's just not the case this year. Yeah, I mean the, the WCC uh, St. Mary's absolutely will be an NCAA tournament team, barring a, they don't even have. Somebody said, well, they, unless they lose a bad game, they don't have any bad games left 
on their schedule. It's done. Like they, any game they lose from here on out would be at worst a quad two loss. And they're, that's still going to get them in the NCAA tournament. BYU had an epic collapse and that hurt the WCC's reputation a lot. Uh, and that's a bummer, but you know what? Sayonara to BYU. They're going to jump out of the WCC anyway, so we don't have to deal with them having their collapses. Uh, and then San Francisco, you know, they're, they're a really, really good basketball team. And yeah, they lost to Portland and that sucked. That hurt them badly because that was a quad four loss at home. The pilots came into town and beat them that, you know, shout out to Shantae Leggins and the Portland team because I'm I'm happy that they're doing well. But that was a bad time for them to pull off a big victory uh, in terms of hurting the reputation of the conference. But but yeah, th- this is you know, and then you have Santa Clara who who is not going to make the NCAA tournament and had a really rough non-conference slate because their second best player had mono for three weeks and their third best player was out for two weeks with an injury and they overlapped and so they lost a bunch of games they shouldn't have lost. But that team is really good. There will I happily willing to say that there are four or five power five schools that will make the NCAA tournament that I confidently would bet that Santa Clara at full health would beat them. Santa Clara would beat Oregon. If they make the tournament, they would beat, I mean, they'd beat San Diego state. Who's not a tournament or not a power five school, but is a border, you know, a bubble team as well. Like they're a good, good team. Jalen Williams. If you have not heard that name, he will be an NBA player in a couple of years. And you will be like, I don't know where this guy came from, but he's really, really talented. And and so it's, it's great to see the conference grow. It's never going to be as good as, you know, the power five conferences. That's okay. There's not, it's not even going to be as good as the big East. Like it's just, it's hard to get to that level, but it is not the conference that it's been in the past. And, and it's helping Gonzaga that they're playing some of these, you know, they're playing two of the best teams in the conference at the end of the season. That's a huge win for them uh, because it's going to help sharpen them. They're playing, I mean, two teams that should and likely will be in the NCAA tournament. Well, and it weirdly has to be this mutually beneficial rising tide lifts all boats thing, right? Right. Where Gonzaga getting number one, you know, top caliber, you know, recruits Mm -hmm. ends up leading to these other coaches saying, Hey, when we play Gonzaga, you got a chance to be on TV. You yep. should come to, you should come to St. Yep. Mary. You should come mm-hmm. to like I think mm-hmm. that that's weirdly how that thing grows to be a rival to the Big East, and then mm-hmm. theoretically, you know, years down the road, it go on onwards and upwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you're uh, at this point, if you're trying to recruit to San Diego or to Pepperdine or Portland or or whatever, and you can say, hey, look, not only do you get to play Gonzaga twice a year, but you get to play St. Mary's twice a year. And they make the tournament basically every year. You get to play Santa, San Francisco twice a year. And this is a team that, you know, went to the tournament last year. You get to play, you know, BYU. Obviously, BYU is about to leave. But for a couple, another couple of years, you get to play BYU. Uh, and, and if Santa Clara establishes themselves as a tournament caliber team, like now you get the argument of like you get five or six games against really good teams. Then your recruiting base starts to get a little bit better. And then it starts to grow. And it kind of, yeah, like you said, it goes from there. Well, and frankly, I I struggle to figure out why you'd have any issues recruiting to San Diego or Pepperdine. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just don't, don't get it. Don't get it. Andy, tell people where, once they put this hundred dollars down and get upset about something, tell people where they can find you at, where can people hear you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at score Zag score, uh, host a locked on podcast, which you can find uh, locked on Zags podcast. You can find that at locked on Zags on Twitter. A podcast is posted wherever uh, it's also a YouTube channel. So if you wanted to see me talking about Gonzaga basketball, you could go to the YouTube channel, uh, hit that subscribe button there as well. And you've got a whole new setup behind you made for the visual aesthetic, guys. I did. I did. Yeah, we, we got it all set up just so that it would look a little bit better on, on the TV. <laughs> there you go. So go check them out at Score Score. Listen to Locked on Zags podcast for all things Chet Holmgren, I'm sure, as we get down to the NBA draft mm-hmm. kind of time and all that kind of fun stuff, too. Anyway, thank you for coming by, Andy. 
Yeah, thanks, Parker. I appreciate it. All right, friends. Do you feel like you learned more about Gonzaga basketball, both in the last 10 years, last five years, last five months, and perhaps even the last five days after hearing from Andy? Anyone's a great show. Again, that's at Locked on Zags. Make sure you go check out the Locked on Zags podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, review, those kinds of things. Follow him at ScoreZagScore on Twitter. You can follow this show on Twitter at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram. We're also on Twitter at FN Sports. That's F-I-N-S-P-R-T-S number two all one word on Twitter. Through both of those things, you can find links to our various sponsors, including my bookie, where you can use code FN Sports to get double your deposit up to a thousand US dollars. You can use our code FN Sports15 on the beardstruggle.com to get up to 15% off of your various beard needs. You can also use our link to go to Yeti and get all of your different insulated cups, coolers, and koozies whatever you need from there. You can also access our merch store through that link tree. And once you get to our merch store, you'll see that we have various different charitable t-shirts and hoodies, including the 42 collection for February Black History Month, in which all proceeds go to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. You can also find all of our orange collection for Women's History Month next month. All proceeds from that go to Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas. Make sure you help us out and Women's History Month out with that orange campaign. It's already live, so you can go ahead and order that and have it in your hands for Women's History Month this March. As for me, you can find my stuff on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter or Instagram. You can find our intern, Chris Sliwa, Chris underscore Sliwa7 on Twitter or at Chris Sliwa7 on on Instagram. He does all the editing work behind the scenes of the podcast. If you like the show, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, do all the wonderful things to help out the podcast. And whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.